Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. The only song that rivals Amazing Grace in popularity among Christians around the globe is How Great Thou Art. And I started thinking about this, right? It was originally penned by a Swedish preacher by the name of Carl Boberg. And it was originally penned as a three-verse poem. It was actually entitled, O Store G-U-D, Good, right, in 1886. It was later set to music and spread throughout the churches in Sweden. Well, listen to this. Boberg's inspiration for the song came when he witnessed a violent midday thunderstorm on Sweden's coast that was both terrifying and awe-inspiring. And soon after the storm, he heard the sweet songs of the birds in a nearby tree. The author said Boberg's experience prompted him to fall on his knees in humble adoration of this and his Mighty God. That's where we get our song, How Great Thou Art. Well, of course, if you're taking notes, I am calling this message, How Great Thou Art, because in the midst of creation, God is blowing our mind. He's blowing our mind, right? And this was not some big bang, but God who spoke everything into existence. Okay, now listen, let me share my heart with you for just a moment. As I begin to think of God's creation, okay, I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. When I think about the stars, right, and you think about the moon and the earth and the sun and the universe and all that he created, here's my heart. I want to, I want to understand that there is nothing that God can't do in my life. There's nothing. If he spoke all of this into existence, like we weren't walking around in some happenstance, whoa, look, there's a sun, wow. God spoke that. He created that. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, God, there's nothing, nothing, nothing that he can't do in our lives. Now, now listen, listen, I know the demands that you and I face every single day are insurmountable in the light of our own limitations and weaknesses. Am I right? There, we, we just kind of go, oh my gosh, I'm getting stressed out. I have a lot of anxiety. You don't understand. We, 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 we use this phrase, our plate is full and, and it's going over. And when our plate is full, we try to add something. We can't add anything because our plate is full and we're going to drop it in. And, in. and in light of that, I think about all of this. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to remind yourself tonight, remind yourself that the God of all possibilities is right beside you. If Sister Cindy gets ready to go into surgery, God is going to be right there. He's going to bring peace. And people, Cindy, what's, are you, are you nervous? She goes, got the, I've got the God that spoke into existence, moon and stars and planets. And he's right here. He's right here. See, I, I, I see that, right? He's right beside you and he's an ever present help. You go, Ben, what is this God who, who, who's going to walk? What does he do? Well, here's what he does. You ready? He simply asks that you trust him and you, can, and you stay connected to his limitless resources through each moment of the day. When anxiety invades your thoughts, help me, church, and you feel overwhelmed, turn your attention away from obstacles and difficulties and focus on his capabilities rather than your inabilities. 
You guys tracking me? That's what we do. Right away, we want to focus on our inabilities. I, everybody say this with me, I can't. That's what we say, I can't. No, 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 exactly, you can't. But God can. God can, that's right, that's right. God can, and I want you to focus on that, right? When troubles seem near, and God is nearer, and he's ready to help us. See, I think we miss that in our churches today. We go, yeah, of course we want to be taught the word of God, right? Of course we want our foundation sure, but I need God to, I need to know that he's by my side. I need to know that he's walking with me in every circumstances of my life. And I'll be honest with you, church, there are times in my life when I feel like, God, where are you? Don't you understand, I've got this going on, I've got this happening, I've got to think about this, and God's like, I'm right here. I'm right here. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Remember, my God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than you could ever imagine or request in your wildest dreams. And we talked about this on Sunday, right? Do you want, do you have a $10 faith or do you have a faith that's going to just blow your mind? You go, God, give me just this. Give me a $10 faith. I don't want a $10 faith. I want a faith that gets me out of the boat. I want a faith that says, I can walk on water. I can see God do incredible things. I can see it. I joke with the pastor. Santos is my witness. We'll be driving by and uh, I'll look at the Kmart building. I said, God, one day that's going to be ours. God, one day, you're going to do something incredible. And then we get a, he, he shoots me a little text today. Kmart building sold to the YWCA. And I like what he says. He said, I didn't like that building anyway. Ah, I love this guy right there. I didn't like, me either. Why? Because God's going to do something bigger, is he not? What is he going to, I mean, I'm, these are my eyes right here. But what if God wants to do something even bigger than that? that that's the point, guys. That's the point. He can do something that, Listen, do you have a $10 faith or do you have the faith that God's going to move mountains? That's where I need to walk. That's where I need to walk. Sorry, I'm preaching. I'm getting out of this, but we're back in the word, guys. Think about this. If your life and your life's purposes and actions are directly aligned with God's will, nothing can derail you. Nothing. Listen, listen for God's voice, guys, in everything you do. Listen for God's voice in every moment of your day. You see, you don't know this. Maybe you do. But at about three o'clock, we're sitting there typing. No power in the whole building. Right. And I yell out to Josh, Josh, did you forget to pay the bill? No, I'm just kidding. We didn't do that. There was a whole grid down the whole grid. The whole shopping center was down. Right. And I'm thinking, oh, we're not going to have church. We're not going to have time to have church. We're not going to. And God spoke to my heart very gently. And he said, if, if you don't have church, that's OK. That's, I've got you. I've got you. And then the coolest thing happened, right? We're sitting in the dark and we're just waiting. We're sitting over here just waiting. And Josh gets up and he goes gets his guitar and he goes, let's worship while we wait. I think he was into the second song and the lights came back on. And it was just amazing. And you go, Pastor, why? Here's, listen to God's voice in every moment of the day, right? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whose show is it? It's God's show. It's God's show. Trust him to illuminate each step in the journey and equip you to handle any problems that come your way. Listen to me. It's through your weaknesses that God displays his infinite strength. Pastor, I want to be strong. I'd rather be weak and see God do incredible things through me. I don't like weak, but but God likes weak. He likes weak. 
Guys, what have we learned so far? What have we talked about? Back in Genesis. Guys, we learned last week that our world did not just happen, but it was created and God was the creator. Okay, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you recall, if you were here last week, we actually learned some Hebrew. Okay, you ready? It's, it's Bereshith Elohim bara everything. That's what it is, okay? That's the Hebrew part. Bereshith, in the beginning, in the origin, Elohim, we talked about that. Bara, created out of nothing, the what? The heavens and the earth. Okay, we could say it this way. The transcendent, omnipresent Godhead called into existence the space-time universe. That's what verse 1 says. Now, here's the point, guys. That's our foundation. That's what we land on. That's what we land on, right? Because I can sit here and I can motivate you and we can say, God, God's going to do incredible things for us. He's going to do incredible things in your life, in your life, in your life. And we're going to get buildings and we're going to have radio stations and we're going to set the world on fire for Jesus. But if we don't believe Genesis 1-1, how are we going to get the faith to get out of the boat? Well, I'm not sure if God created. Well, well, maybe it was a big bang. I don't know. Maybe it was through. Listen, 1-1. But a seeth. Elohim, bara. He created everything. Is that your foundation, church? Is that your foundation? Right? That's what he needs to be. God didn't form something in, into our universe. Oh, you know, I had, a, I had God sitting up there going, you know, I had some Play-Doh left over. I think I'll make a sun. You know, oh, here's some. Let me just roll this up and here's the earth. He didn't do that. He spoke stuff into existence. Spoke the universe into existence. And here's what I want you to see, guys. He created it. He created it. He created it with the word from his mouth. And from out of nothing, creation happened and the universe was born. Now, what did we learn? We learned that God created light the very first day, right? Look at verse 3. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light and he saw that it was good. And he divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So in the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, by way of reminder, this is important. Whenever you find a numerical adjective such as first day, second day, third day, what does it do, church? It always refers to a 24-hour period. Hey, I learned something. You go, why? Because a lot of times evolutionists will come and go, no, 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 no. You see, one day could mean millions of years, and then the second day, and there's a big gap, and that's where we have dinosaurs, and they eat people, and all this stuff. And, and, and no, 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 it's, it's 24, it's a literal 24-hour period. That's a little 20, that's the usage, right? That's the usage in this text, 24 hours, one day. Now, the next 13 verses, guys, that we look at are going to cover three days of creation. Okay, I didn't want to get too much in there because we can pull some really good application. Now, if you're taking note, jot this down, okay? These verses from 6 to 19 are broken down this way. Number one, now, I've got to be honest with you. I stole this from Skip Heitzig, but I think it's really good. Number one, water world. That's the first one, water world. Okay, that's the second day. Because right now you just have the Holy Spirit. And now you have light, and then the rest is just water. That's day one. Number two, land ho. Land ho, verses 9 to 11. This is the beginning of the third day. Land ho. Fourth day, let it grow. Let it grow, right? Because that's part of the third day, right? Verses 11 through 13. And then last but not least, lights aglow. 
And this is the fourth day. This is where he creates the sun and the moon and the stars. And it's amazing. So you have water world. We're going to look at that first one. Then we're going to see land ho, let it grow, and lights aglow. Lights aglow. This is going to go from the second to the fourth day. Once again, so if you're taking note, verses 6 through 8 is the second day. 9 through 10 is the third day. 11 through 13 is part of the third day. And then the last day, the fourth day, is verses 14 through 19. So let's go. We're in Genesis chapter 1, verse 6. Then God said, notice, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made a firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And so the evening and the morning were the second day. If you have a pencil handy, guys, and you're not afraid to write in your Bible, or if you're taking notes, really simple, circle the word for firmament, right? Firmament. You can uh, write by this close by. You can write the sky or our breathable atmosphere. Atmosphere. That's exactly what it means. Okay? If you're a Bible scholar, the Hebrew word is rakia, rakia, R-A-Q-I-W, I I mean, uh, Y-A, and it actually means the vault or dome expanse or an extended surface, an extended surface. Many people back then, guys, many people believed back then that there was this water, guys, or this vapor, we call it a canopy, and it surrounded the earth like a dense fog, and it created some sort of greenhouse effect, okay? Everybody sort of believed that. Now, uh, a lot of people point to that and say, this is why that, they, that, that people lived almost a thousand years. It was until after the flood that people began to slowly, you know, hey, how long did you live? Well, I lived 900 years. How long did your son live? Well, he lived seven years, 700 years, and 500 years. And now we've gotten to the place in this earth where a normal lifespan, guys, is 70 years. So they, that's, that's what a lot of people believe. There was this canopy. This canopy created a uniformly warm climate, can you imagine, with no barren deserts and no polar ice caps, right? The Bible also says that before the flood, there was no rain. There was no rain. As a matter of fact, if you're taking note, it's Genesis chapter 2, verse 5, and it says, Neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth, for the Lord God had not sent rain to water the earth. And there were no people to cultivate the soil. So there, there hadn't been any rain. There hadn't been any rain. So you have this now. Again, what? You have this canopy. Now, notice verse 8 with me, okay? God called the firmament, right? He called it heaven. And then he says, and so the evening and the morning were the second day. Now we want to do some work, okay? Because God called the firmament heaven, yet the Bible uses heaven in three distinct ways. Three distinct ways. Now, when you go, hey, I'm going to go to heaven, I mean, we, we've used it in different ways. You guys ready? Jot this down. Number one, when the Bible talks about heavens, it can often refer to the sky where the birds fly and the clouds float, right? We look up and go, hey, I looked up into the heavens, right? I saw the birds flying in the heavens, right? That's the word it uses. And you go, well, where, does that, where is that found? 
Revelation chapter 19, verse 17 says, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God. So he's, he's using that in reference to when you go outside and you look up and you see birds and you see airplanes and you see all that, that's used as the, as the term heavens. The heavens. Where are the, where do we fly? Up in the heavens. That's the first usage. You guys ready? Number two, heavens in the Bible often refers to outer space where the sun and the moon and the stars hang out. Okay, that's the heavens, the glory of all of that. You're going to see, right? Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Okay, so you've got the clouds, and you've got the birds, that's heavens, and then you go, oh, beyond that, that's the heavens, right? We're going to go past the heavens. Now, those are the two usages. Now, the third one. Guys, the first one is the heaven, the atmosphere. The second heaven is the universe, outer space. But the third one refers to the place where God lives in all his unveiled glory. Listen to the way Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven, and I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. He's going, who's he talking about? He's talking about himself. He says, listen, there was a time when I went to the third heaven. Third heaven. Paul goes on to explain that he saw heaven. And when he saw heaven, you know what he said? He said, I saw things that I can't even explain. I don't, there's not even words. There's not even words. If you are bored one day and you decide you want to YouTube people who have died and gone to heaven, there's one common thread that all of them say. You go, what's that? That they felt a perfect peace. Now, these are people who have said they've died and they saw their body. They all say, I've seen my body there. And I went to heaven and I saw Jesus and there was just this perfect peace. I wasn't scared. I was, and I think, isn't that true? It's the third heaven, right? That's what Paul says. Now, I'm a little leery. I'm a little leery when somebody goes, let me tell you about heaven apart from the Bible. Because even Paul said, I, how do I explain this? How do I, there's not even words for the colors that I've seen. There are no words to describe the perfect peace I had in my heart. <laughs> right? But we want to write a book. And so if we want to write a book, then we say, hey, this guy went to heaven and here's what he saw. He saw grandma and blah, 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 blah. Let's be careful, guys. Let's stick to the word of God. Now, listen, here's what, here's what, I, here's what I love about this, right? Here's what I love about this. We're going we're gonna to chat for just a moment about heaven. Okay? The third heaven. You ready? Here's what I want to encourage you with. That's our destination. That's our destination. Listen to me. For those who love God, that's your destination. Those who have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, man, that's going to be your home forever. Why is that important? Here's why. This is not your home. You're just passing through. You guys, right now, me and you, we're, we're just what? We're, we're pilgrims. We're sojourners. This is not our home. Sometimes I get so caught up in this earth that I'm like, oh, I 
And it's like, listen, I'm just, I should, just passing through. Just passing through. So one day I want to go home and I want to be in the third heaven. You see, I want to bypass the birds and the clouds. I want to bypass the stars. I don't want anything to do with that. I want to see my Jesus. Now, I started thinking about heaven. And I mean, I could, I could go on and on about heaven. But listen to the way Billy Graham, listen to what he says about heaven. This is Billy Graham, his take, right? And, and I love the way he ministers to us. Listen, listen to what he says. Some of you have been stunned by the sudden passing of a consecrated person, a godly pastor, a devout missionary, or a saintly mother. You have stood at the open grave with tears cursing down your cheeks and have asked, why, oh God, why? Doesn't that minister to you? Because I think that's a lot of us. We've sat there and we've just looked and we just, and death is so real and we've, and we've just cried and God, really, why? Billy goes on to say, allow me to assure you that death of the righteous is no accident. Do you think that God, whose watchful vigil notes the sparrows fall and who knows the number of hairs on your head, would turn his back on one of his children in the hour of pearl? With him, there are no accidents, no tragedies, no catastrophes as far as his children are concerned. One of the bonuses of being a Christian is the wonderful hope that extends beyond the grave into the glory of God's tomorrow. Billy goes on to say, I've talked to doctors and nurses who have held the hands of dying people, and they say there is so much difference between the death of a Christian and, a, and the death of a non-Christian as there is between heaven and hell. The death of the righteous is not to be feared. It's not to be shunned. It is the shadow threshold to the palace of God. No wonder Balaam said in Numbers 23.10, let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be like this. Billy goes on to write this. You ready for Christians? First, to the Christian, death is said in the Bible to be a coronation. The picture here is that of a regal prince who, after his struggles and conquests in an alien land, comes to his native country and court to be crowned and honored for his deeds. Isn't that cool? Death is going to be us going, I'm ready to go home. Ready to go home. Can you imagine? After all your battles here, sister. After all your battles here, brother. After all the enemy trying to attack you, trying to trip you up, trying to make you feel like you are less than nothing. Listen, you're going to go one day and it's going to be like a, it's going to be like a party. It's going to be like amazing, isn't it? We have all these jokes. Well, you know, went up to St. Peter and the pearly gates. Man, we're going to go straight in. It's going to be like, man, we've been expecting you. Light up the band. Let's do this thing, right? Bah, 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 bah. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Billy Graham goes on and says, second, the Bible speaks of the death of a Christian as a rest from labor. The Bible said, blessed are those who die in the Lord. They may rest from their labors. Can I get an amen for that? I mean, think about it. That's what it says. When we die, we're going to be able to rest. We're going to be able to rest from our labors. Now, listen, listen. Here's what we need to grasp, okay? As a believer, as a believer, we should have no regrets in this life. As a believer, we should lay it out all the time, every single day. Listen, if God is, listen, if, if, if the Lord Jesus is not in your every thought, and, and you and you and, and you live for him. I take a step back and go, what's going on? What's going on? He, he he's not number one in my life. 
He can't be number one because then I can move him to number two position depending on what I like. He has to be all of me. He has to be all of me. He has to be the, the God that I serve completely. The same Ben Martinez you see in the pulpit should be the same Ben Martinez at the grocery store, should be the same Ben Martinez in the airport, should be the same serving Jesus with all of my heart. Perfect? No. Flaw? Yes. Human? Amen. But, but still the same, the same desire, the same goal. Is that your goal? Is that your goal? Is that your heart? Get up in the morning with that. I mean, really, tell me, tell me, church, listen, here's what I want you to ask you, a very serious question. What gets you up in the morning? What gets you up? Well, pastor, it's the alarm clock. I don't know. What I'm saying is what motivates you? What motivates you to do what God has called you to do? Third, Billy Graham says, the Bible speaks of death as a departure. When Paul approached the valley of the shadow of death, he didn't shudder in fear. He, rather, he announced with a note of triumph, the time of my departure is at hand. He writes this in 2 Timothy 4.6. You go, what does the word departure mean? It means to pull up anchor and to set sail. Everything happens prior to death is a preparation for the journey. Death marks the beginning and not the end. It's a solemn, dramatic step in the journey. Guys, it's a departure. Guys, you know what? Let's pull up our, let's pull up, pull up our 10 pegs. Now, here's the problem. I don't want any of you to be doing this. Trying to pull out your ten pegs because you put them too deep. I mean, it's time to go. You're like, boom, let's go. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Let's set sail. And then, of course, Billy says, fourth, the Bible speaks of death to the Christian as a transition. Paul wrote, for we know that this earthly house, this tent is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Aren't you glad about that? I'm looking forward to my new body. I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to this transition. Let's leave this tent here. That's all right. It's breaking down. Okay? There's aches and pains coming every single day. All right? What did you do? Did you work out? No, I just walked. I mean, you're kidding me. Right? How many of you pull a muscle stretching in the morning, right? You're just like, oh, ah, you get that little. Just me? Okay, I'm just wondering because that hurts. I'm ready to get rid of all of that. That's what he says. And then he ends up with this, guys, and then we'll go back to our study. Death to the Christian is exchanging a tent for a building. Here we are as pilgrims and refugees living in a frail, flimsy home, subject to disease, pain, and peril. But at death, we exchange this crumbling, disintegrating tent for a house that's not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Perspective, right? What's our perspective? Pastor, I don't have a death wish, neither do I, but I'm ready to go home when he tells me. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go home. But, but when I go home, listen to me, I want to know that I did the work. I want to know that I did the work. I don't want to stand before a loving Heavenly Father and he goes, you know what? I had so much more for you, dude. But you just wouldn't. And asked Billy Graham about his ministry, you know what he said? I wish I had prayed more. I would have preached less than prayed more. Chew on that for a moment. I wish I would have prayed more and preached less. Okay, back to our text. You guys ready? So we saw, boom, right? 
Now that was the second day. So what's point number two? Land ho, land ho. Third day, verse nine. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called the seas. And God saw that it was good. Listen, the third day begins with what? An entire surface of the earth submerged in water. But by the end of the day, there is land. As a matter of fact, we'll have foliage a little bit later on. You go, what does he say? Well, notice again, look at, look at verse 9. He says, let the waters under the heaven be gathered. Now, the idea is that before this, the earth was covered with water. Now, the waters are gathered into one place and dry land appears. I love this. Why? Guys, I want you to take note and I want you to make it as bold as you can in your Bible, in your notes. Here's what it says. God spoke and creation obeyed. God spoke and creation obeyed. Now, here's what I want you to see. Take this home. Put it in your pocket. Carry it around with you. What is that? Obedience in the life of the believer is crucial. If God spoke and said, let there be land, and land said, yes, sir, boom. How should we be? Obedience is crucial in the life of the believer, guys. Now, before we jump into the foliage, let's chat for a moment about obedience to God. One of the Greek terms for obedience conveys the idea, listen to this, positioning oneself under someone by submitting to their authority and command. That's what it means. You are coming under their authority and their command. That's what it means to be obedient, right? When your commander says jump, your answer should be how high? We should not fold our hand and go, really, you want me to jump? How's this? You know, you know what I'm talking about? That's, that's what it means. That's what it means. But, but, but listen, listen, listen. Another Greek word for obey means to trust. Trust. So you've got to come under. Now, listen, this is, oh, my goodness. When, it, when the word of God says that we need to be obedient to God, it's wanting us to submit to their authority and their command with all trust. With all trust. You go, what does that mean? Biblical obedience to the believer or for the believer to God means simply to hear, trust, submit, and surrender to God and to his word. Can, can I say that again? Because I know we struggle with it. I know we all struggle with obedience. Creation, let there be, boom, us. I don't know, God, what did you really mean? Really? Your word says, oh, it's your word. Well, let's see, maybe I can find some. No, 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 listen, listen, listen. Here's what it means, guys. It... Do you hear God's word? Do you trust God's word? Do you submit to God's word? And do you surrender to his word? Well, let's just say you go, Pastor, okay, well, why, why should I? Why is this important? Well, if you're taking note, let me give you eight quick reasons. Eight quick reasons, okay? We won't spend a whole lot of time, but eight quick reasons why obedience is important to God. Number one, because Jesus calls us to obedience. Jesus calls us to obedience. In John 14, 15, it says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. That's a call. 
right? Why should I be obedient? Because God calls us to obedience. Jesus calls us to obedience. How, how about this one? Number two, obedience is an act of worship. Obedience is an act of worship. Romans 12, verse 1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Obedience is worship. Obedience is worship. When you step out in your obedience to the word of God, that's an act of worship. Let's, let's be honest. Sometimes we sit here and we go, the act of worship is let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. And we, we look like we're worshiping, but you know what? Obedience to his word is an act of worship. Number three, God rewards obedience. Over and over and over, we find this in the word of God. When you're obedient, God goes, man, that's my kid. That's my kid. I love it. I love it. I, I don't have to fight with Ben to get him to do something. He loves me and he just does it. I just love that and he just pours out blessings. He pours out blessings. I don't want to tell you about the time when I do fight with him about obedience. You guys know what I'm talking about? Here's the word of God and I'm like, oh, okay, I know what I'm supposed to do, but, right? Hey, let me ask you this. Parents, parents, does... <laughs> Does attitude play a big part in, in obedience? Because we can do something, but we can do it with a bad attitude, can't we? Great, God, I'll do it. I don't really like it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. Quit looking at me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, and it's just all attitude. It's all attitude. And God's like, really, don't do it if you're not gonna do it with a heart that loves me. Do you love God, guys? Do you love God? And it's just I mean it's just I want to do this. God, I, want, I know I fight with you all the time, Lord, but, but I, want to, I want to do this. How about number four? Obedience to, the, obedience to God proves our love. Proves our love, right? You ever been dating? You tell a girl, I love you, and she says, prove it. Well, baby, I bought you dinner. What more do you want? I love you, baby. I love you. No, no, no. God says, prove it. How are you going to prove it? Here it is. You can jot this down. First John 5, 2, and 3. Or how about this one? Second John Verse 6, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. We walk. Guys, obedience to God proves our love. Listen, listen. It's easy for us to say, God, I love you. I love you. I just love you, God. And God says, show me. Show me. Show me. Well, how do I show him? Be obedient to my word. I'm not, God's not getting us in the, right? He's not getting us in the chokehold and giving us like, come on. He wants us to do it out of a pure heart and pure love. He's not saying you need to obey my commandments so that you can work your way for salvation. Salvation's not even an issue. We're already saved by faith, right? We're already saved by grace. So it's just about, I just want to prove to God I love him. How am I going to do that? I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be obedient. How about this one? How about this one? Number five, obedience to God demonstrates our faith, doesn't it? Listen, guys, you're being obedient to the word of God. It's a book. It's a book. The world looks at you and goes, you're crazy. No, I'm walking by faith. I'm walking by faith. How about number six? The Bible tells us obedience is better than sacrifice. Sacrifice. 
I come to church. I'm there every time the doors are open. Praise God. I do this, I do this, I do this. But you're not obedient to the word of God. <laughs> Listen, he says, it's better that you obey God's word than sacrifice even your time, your money, or your energy. How about number seven? Disobedience leads to sin and death. Why? You guys remember? Through disobedience, Adam brought sin and death into the world. But through Christ's obedience, through his perfect obedience, he restores fellowship with God for everyone who believes in him. And of course, the last one, guys, this is a great reason. Through obedience, we experience the blessings of holy living. You see, only Jesus is perfect. Therefore, only he could walk in sinless obedience. But as we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us from within, then we want to grow in holiness. In holiness. Men, look at me. Women, look at me. That's the goal. We want to be, we want to be men and women that walk in holiness, that grow in holiness. Guys, God just spoke and creation obeyed. We're going to see in a couple weeks, we're going to see in a couple weeks that he's going to create you, the Imago Dei, right? He's going to, you're going to be created in his image. How much more should we be obedient to the God that created us? And I wonder for me, not you, y'all can listen, but I wonder for me why I fight God on everything at times. When we simply just need to obey. Why do we fight? Back in our study. Back in our study. Okay? So we saw the land. Land ho. So verses 11 to 13. Point number three. Let it grow. Let it grow. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass. The herb that yields seed. Or if you're from... Somewhere else, the herb, right? It's not the herb. It's the herb that yields seeds and the fruit trees that yield fruit. Notice, according to its kind. So those seeds in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb that yields a seed according to its kind and a tree that yields fruit and those seeds in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Guys, all this happened. Listen to me. All this happened before even God created the sun. Okay, God's going to create the sun on the fourth day. You go, what does this mean? This means the plants must have had sufficient nourishment because the light, uh, because of the light of God and had basically created before the sun and the moon. So it had significant significant nourishment. And I think, remember, what's going to happen is that over in Revelation, when we have the new Jerusalem, guys, okay, right, that there's not going to be a sun, that the glory of the Lord is going to illuminate that. Isn't that going to be amazing? I don't understand it all, but I know it's going to be good. Same thing here, okay? But here's what I want you to underline. I want you to underline right here, guys, in verse 11, according to its kind, according to its kind. You go, why? Because the seeds of the earth, the earth's vegetations were programmed with DNA to ensure that each would reproduce according to its kind. When you go out, and we don't do this anymore, but we say we get apple seeds and we drop them in the ground, what are we expecting to grow? An apple tree. It wasn't like, okay, well, we dropped an apple tree. Oh, my goodness, pears came out. What happened to there? Or, or whatever, 
You know? I mean, this is, this is so important, okay? Because this phrase appears 10 times in Genesis chapter 1. And it means that God allows the variation within a kind, okay? You know what? You have, you have different kinds of apples. You have, but it's still a, help me, still an apple. Still an apple. Now, may I remind you, this was the third day, a 24-hour period. You go, why is this important? You guys ready? Listen, this is so important. Because those who propose that these days of creation were not literal 24-hour days, but successive ages of slow evolutionary development have a real problem here. You go, why? Here's why. You ready? Because it's hard for them to explain how plants and all vegetation could grow and thrive eons before the sun and the moon. They can't explain it. No modern evolutionist would, would argue plant life is older than the sun and the moon. But this is what the Genesis record tells us right here. Isn't that blow your mind? I believe in evolution. Okay, well, here's the thing. There, there was, God made the herbs of the field, the grass, way before the sun. How do you explain that? Because there's no way that this grass and the trees and all the foliage hung out for millions of years before he created the sun. Would it grow? Wouldn't grow, would it? It's like God knows what he's talking about. You know what I'm saying? It's like God wrote the book. You know? What does he create next? Well, guys, look. It's a, he's going to create the lights. Verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be a sign, signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light to the earth. Thank you, Jesus. And it was so, verse 16. Then God made what? Two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser to rule the night. He made the stars also. Don't you just like that verse? It's like, yeah, and God made some stars. That's cool. God set them in the firmament. What are we talking about, guys? The second heaven to give light to the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide them from the light and from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Here's what I love, guys. God is just so amazing. The first thing I want you to see, God spoke stars into existence. God knows all of that that's going on. He says, listen, I'm going to make the sun, and that's going to rule the day. And I'm going to make the, the moon, and that's going to rule the night. And here's some stars out there, and, and that's going to be good. But here's what I want you to find. I want you to see the perfect balance. God made the sun and the moon, okay? And since the beginning, man has used God's provision of the sun and the moon and the stars to mark and measure time, right? We can do that. But here's what I want you to see. God knew exactly how far to set the sun from the earth. A a few million miles, more or less, and life on this earth would be impossible. You guys know that. And so we must conclude that God created the earth with what? Think about this. A perfect 23 and a third degree tilt on the axis. This means we have four beautiful seasons. That's why. Now, I understand y'all are going, Ben, we live in Texas. We go from summer, we have one week of fall, then we go to winter, and then we don't have any spring. And we... 
<laughs> but listen, God, God put this in. And here's, here's my thought. Here's my thought. Think about it. When there's a lot of earthquakes, I wonder if that's going to, it's going to tilt us one way or the other. It's changing the tilt, the polar axis. Oh, oh, you go, what else? Well, here's what I want you to see. You guys ready? The atmosphere is 78 parts nitrogen to 21 parts oxygen. You go, what does that mean? It means that you can breathe with ease. Everybody take a deep breath. Except for Bob, Bob, don't don't breathe. That hurts, brother. That hurts. But the point is, the point is, guys, is that any any other any other calculation, we won't be able to breathe. If he went fifty fifty, guys, we would be too bad. Think about this: the Earth makes a three hundred and sixty five point two five revolutions during its journey around the sun, fully rotating once every twenty four. Hours. That's why some of you are dizzy. <laughs> That's why you're dizzy because the world is spinning, and you're just like, I'm dizzy. Anyways, but think about it. I mean, it just goes so beautifully. I want you to think about this. If our days were longer, not 24 hours, if our days were longer, what would happen, church? We would burn up. If the days were shorter, we would freeze. We would freeze. Okay? Now, here's my thought. Last thought. Okay, last thought. We're going to close with this. If our oceans were half the size, half the size of what God created them, right? Because he created this. We would have less than one quarter of the rainfall we receive now. Not enough to sustain life. We would have not enough rain. If, now listen to this. If the oceans were one-eighth bigger, we would be flooded. We would be flooded. Ben, why did you title this message, How Great Thou Art, O Lord? Yes, guys, it's, it's, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. Barasith Elohim Bara. That's where we, that's where we land. Now, before we go into communion, guys, I want to show you a three-minute video that just, I just love this. It's just how great thou art. And then once the video's over, we're going to go straight into our communion okay we're going to partake in communion can we show dim the lights and show the video it's going to be good check this out guys three minutes in what, what what you're seeing right now first of all this is the earth okay just just you're taken off from the earth from southern california and we're gonna we're gonna rise up for a little bit here okay we're gonna pull away from it we're gonna pull higher now this is at about 10 kilometers like if you climb mount everest this is what you'd see You'd see the curvature of the earth from that distance. Now you're going to, we're going to climb up even higher. This is at a hundred kilometers. And you're a fourth of the way to the space station now. This is what you'd see. If you get to this level, you're considered an astronaut. Just, if you ever get there. Okay, now we're going a hundred thousand kilometers. A hundred thousand kilometers from the earth. So you're a fourth of the way to the moon. That's what the earth would look like. Now we're going to pull away to a million kilometers. At a million kilometers, there's the moon, okay? There's the moon. You can barely see the earth. You're at a million kilometers now. You're past the, past the moon. And uh, now we're going to go to a hundred million kilometers. A hundred million kilometers. You're still not to the sun. The sun's 93 million miles away. But now we're going to go to 10 trillion kilometers. Ten, there's the sun, okay? You just passed the sun. Now you would see all of the planets at 10 trillion kilometers. And now, 
where a 10 to the 15th power, that means 10 with 15 zeros. I don't know what that number is. 15 zeros, and the sun's just like a bright dot amidst other stars. And now we're going to 10 light years away. At 10 light years away, come on, let's go. Zoom, there you go. 10 light years away. Now you just see the sun with like 11 other stars that are kind of its neighbors. You know, that, 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 that's our sun. And now we're going to go a thousand light years away. At a thousand light years away, you, you wouldn't even see our sun anymore. These are just a bunch of stars close to it in this cluster inside the Milky Way. Now we're going to zoom out even further. And that's the Milky Way we live in. See that cluster of stars? Those are about a hundred thousand stars that are closest to our sun. You can't see our sun anymore at this point. Now this is our Milky Way galaxy and forget about the Earth. Okay, there's our Milky Way galaxy that we live in. Um, and we're just buried in there somewhere. And we're going to pull out even further. And you'll see that our galaxy is actually, it's, it's a big galaxy. And, uh, and all those other things you're seeing now are galaxies. And we're going to pull away 10 million light years now. His next scene is 10 million light years. Those are all galaxies you see. Amidst our Milky Way, several hundred galaxies. Now we're going to go a hundred million light years away. This is the last one. We're going to zoom out to a hundred million light years. Those are all clusters of galaxies. Galaxies and clusters of galaxies. You won't even see our Milky Way galaxy anymore amidst that. We don't have telescopes that go beyond that little sphere there. Doesn't that blow your mind? We're in there somewhere. But God created all of that. And the same God that created that created you. And he lives in you. And I just, it just humbles me to think, man, what, when God, right? Barashit, Elohim, he just created all of that. That either freaks you out or you just rest that he's powerful God. You're here tonight serving him, loving him. So listen, here's what I'd want to do, guys. We're going to take communion. Spend some time worshiping this God. He deserves all our honor and praise. How easy would it have been for God to go, you know what, Adam and Eve, you blew it. Let's just start over. Let's just start, just kill them, okay? Let's try again. How easy would it have been if he'd have just said, he'd just, you know, smushed Satan in the face and said, you're done. He sent his son so that we can experience all that he has for us, guys. We can experience him through prayer. We can experience him through, through victory. We can experience him through suffering. We can experience God. And our lives should never be the same. Never. So as we begin to worship God, guys, when you're ready, when you're ready, when you've, when you've, when your heart is, when your heart is overwhelmed, then you can come to the table and just rejoice. Because here's what you're saying. You're saying to the Lord, God, I believe that you died on the cross, the death, burial, and the resurrection, and the blood and the body, this is symbolic. This is a celebration of my belief in you. 
more importantly, that one day you're coming back for me. Coming back. And I don't have to fear death. And I don't have to fear life. Because God's got me. Come what may, I'll serve you, God. As long as I have breath in my lungs, I'll serve you. Father, we thank you for your word tonight, God. We thank you for the creation. Lord, now we want to crawl up in your lap and just call you Daddy, just call you Abba. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for your blessings in our lives. Lord, that our, that our Bible study wouldn't just be notes, but it would impact our hearts. And if our hearts are hard, then we ask that you make it a, a heart of flesh. Lord, if, we've got, if we're harboring bitterness or we're harboring sin or we're struggling, that we can confess that to you right now, God, and that you'll forgive us and that we can take communion with joy and gladness and we can ask for healing and you can heal our physical bodies and you can heal us emotionally and you can heal us spiritually. Whatever we need right now, Lord, we believe. Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. There might be some believers here, Holy Spirit, that just need to be filled. We long for the epi experience, God, where you come upon us so that we can do your work and we can glorify you in our lives. We worship you now, Lord. Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.